Go ahead and be seated. Let me encourage you this morning to find your sermon notes. It looks like this in your bulletin. There's also some questions there that you can ask amongst your family members, since we're talking about families this week, once again, or maybe later on today or later this week. So last week we talked about the tension, and there truly is tension uh, in families between what is ideal what the Bible portrays, what we know we ought to do, and then there is reality. There's our own family. So what's real for some of you is that you're going through divorce. It's real. What's real is that some of you are on your second marriage, and it's not going any better than the first one. That's real. Or maybe, since I'm I've done so many weddings this year, I think I set a record for for weddings that that I officiated at. Some of you who are newly married are finding out (laughs) that marriage isn't as easy as you thought it was going to be, and that's real. What's real for some of you is that you have children, (laughs) and they're not perfect. (laughs) That's real. Some of you have teenagers, and that's really real, isn't it? Because they don't always do what you tell them to do. In fact, if they do, sometimes you fall over, right? That's real. There's conflict, and there's arguing, and there is fighting. It's all real. Or maybe your reality is that you actually do have the ideal family. (laughs) You have the ideal family, and you look around at everybody else and see how messed up they are, and you're wondering what's wrong with you. Maybe that's real, or maybe you're just wondering when the shoe is going to drop and you're going to be as miserable as everybody else. There's tension between what is ideal and what is real, and yet our culture doesn't like tension. Our culture says, no, that's normal. Divorce is real, it's okay to fight, conflict is inevitable, and that just creates more tension. You see, we have this culture that that wants to make everything okay, that there is nothing wrong, there is nothing bad about anything. And so we have a culture, of course, where every kid gets a trophy, no matter whether they have earned it or not. Every team gets a trophy, whether they win or not. There's tension. There's tension in us because we can listen to the world and everyone says it's normal and yet we want something better, don't we? At least for our kids and our future grandkids, we want something better. We want something closer to the ideal, don't we? And then Jesus comes along and he ratchets up the tension even more. He says this ideal that is in your mind, well, it should be even higher than that. The standard is even greater. And we think, well, no, that's impossible. There's no way we could ever do that. And yet then he comes along and says, I forgive you. (laughs) There's grace, even in the real. So today what we want to do is look at what is ideal, what a Christian family should look like. Now, it's not on the screen, but it's in your notes, so if you can find that. This is from Colossians chapter 3. It's very simple on what the ideal family, the Christian family, should look like. It goes like this. Husbands, love your wives 
and be considerate. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. You see that again? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. And wives are saying, you don't know my husband. <laughs> obey, obey your parents. Are you kidding? <laughs> my parents haven't had an original thought since 2001, right? <laughs> uh, fathers, do you know my children? They exasperate me. I mean, that's how this all kind of goes, right? Well, this is what the Christian family should look like. And when we look at it, what do we say? We say, fail, 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 fail. I can't live up to that. So, should we just give up, like the world says? Stamp it as normal? This is too ridiculous to try and achieve. We're just going to go with what we've got. But Jesus says, no. Don't just accept your reality. Live with attention. In our gospel for today, Jesus even said, is it lawful to divorce? That was the question the Pharisees had. He said, look back to the very beginning. Moses only allowed this because he knew that your hearts were hard. This was not God's intention for family in the beginning. Now, just for fun today, we're going to look at just one of these. We don't have time to look at all four today. We'll get to some of these later. But for fun, we're going to look at one of these four. So find your notes again, all right? And look, yeah, look at the one that you say uh, that is politically incorrect. <laughs> look at the one that you, you say this should not even be in the Bible, women. <laughs> Which one would you choose? Just for fun. Number two, <laughs> right? Number two. Wives, submit to your husbands. You know, the first time I heard this, I was at a wedding. I was a kid, and I went to, went to a wedding. I don't know, we hadn't had the verse in, in, uh, in any of the sermons that I had listened to, or it could just be that I wasn't listening, but I heard it in the, in the wedding. And I heard this verse, and I thought, wow, wives, submit to your husband. This is going to be a good deal for me someday. Yeah. I've, I've learned a little different <laughs> Since, not, not that part, it's a good marriage, really it is. It's a good thing I got going on here because of my wife. But it doesn't really mean what so many people think that it means. It says wives. Paul is using a general principle and then he applies it to each person. So it says wives, this is how you are going to show love to your husband through submission. Husbands, this is how you love your wives. Children, this is how you love your parents. Notice how it begins all in the first verse of Ephesians 5 in this passage about families and marriage. Submit to whom? One another in the family. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission in the family. Submit to everyone. Why? Not out of reverence for one another. Not out of reverence for your husband. But out of reverence for Christ. What you're saying is that you're going to leverage your power. You're going to leverage your position. You're going to leverage your time. You're going to leverage your resources. All for the benefit of 
of another person. Just as Jesus leveraged everything that he had for us. Just as Jesus died for your sin, so you don't have to. Out of reverence for Christ, out of gratitude for what Jesus has done, out of love for God, that is why you will submit to one another. Because you see, the one another's, and I am one of those one another's, and you are one of those one another's, we're not worth submitting to. But Jesus certainly is. So this is how we're going to do it, and I want you to practice. This is a question that you're going to ask, and I want you to do this truly. I want you to do this every day this week. All right? So once a day, just one time, ask the question, what can I do to help? Not a hard question. What can I do to help? Now, you're going to practice now because you're going to do this every day this week. Turn to the person next to you and ask, what can I do to help? Can you do that? Go ahead and do that right now. What can I do to help? All right? Now, we're going to, children, I know we have some children in here. We're gonna, I'm going to talk to you first. Children first, okay? This will blow your parents away, I guarantee it. This will change the entire dynamic of your family, especially if you are in high school or middle school. You can do it if you're younger too. But when you get home from school, so tomorrow you get home from school, come into the kitchen and ask mom and dad, what can I do to help? Can you do that? Just ask, what can I do to help? Now, if you want to really make it cool, kids, if you really want to make it cool, do it when they have friends over. (laughs) Mom and dad are having a dinner party. Just come in in the evening. I come downstairs, all right, in front of everybody. They say, hey, mom, dad, is there anything I can do to help? Right? And their friends are going to be like, what? <laughs> and, and then just go back upstairs because there's nothing to do. They've already done it all, right? And you get credit for that. I mean, it's a good deal, <laughs> right? Yeah, once a day. All right, what can I do to help? Now, parents, you have to do this as well. It's not just for kids. Ask your kids, what can I do to help? What can I do to leverage? my position, my authority, my resources to help you get ahead faster. And your conversations won't be so negative anymore, will they? You won't have those hard (laughs) reactions from your children. And of course, spouses, obviously, this is good for all of you. Wives, ask your husbands, what can I do to help? Now, my wife asks me that all the time. What can I do to help? She's great at doing that. But I hope you're better than me. Usually, I say, nothing, (laughs) right? When there's all kinds of things that I need help with. And certainly, don't just grunt, what can I do to help? Right? Don't do that. Actually answer her. And husbands, it's probably the hardest for us to ask our wives, 
I don't know about in your family, but in mine, the wife, my wife, she does everything for me and for the kids. By asking, husband, you're opening the door. You're telling your wife this is, this is not just one-sided. I'm here for you just like you are here for me. What can I do to help? You see, that's what God did. He looked down at this world of ours that is so broken, so messed up. And Jesus asked, Father, what can I do to help? And he says, you don't want to know. <laughs> yes, I do. What can I do to help? And the Father says, it's going to cost you your life. And Jesus said, I'll do that. And the Father says, no, you don't understand. You're going to have to go down there and be number two. Even though you're God and you deserve to be number one. You're going to have to get in line behind every person that has ever lived in order to help them. And Jesus said, I'll do that. And he went to the cross and gave up his life for you and for me. So what keeps us from doing the same thing? 99.9% of the time, it won't cost you your actual life, will it? Why are we so afraid to mutually submit to one another? Because they might actually answer the question? <laughs> you know, I, did, I never asked that question on the farm when I was growing up because I knew that there would be an answer. <laughs> after, you, after you do this, then there is that. After you clean out the hog shed, then there is the chicken coop. <laughs> and then there are all those weeds to cut. But we don't ask. Because it's going to cost us our place in line. Where we aren't going to do everything that we want to do. It's going to cost us some time. It may cost us some money. Some energy. And yet we do all of this again, not because the other person deserves it but out of reverence for Christ. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. A follower of Jesus. Ask the question, what can I do to help? You know, it reminds me of this power that all of us have that we do not use. It reminds me of Dorothy Remember Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz? Throughout the movie, she is going with her friends on this journey. And all she wants to do the whole time is what? Get back home. She just wants to get back home. And yet she had the power all along. It was those ruby red slippers. Right there all the time. So also for us, 
God has given us his grace. He has given us his forgiveness, but he's also given us his power. Just ask the question, what can I do to help? It's my prayer throughout this series as we go step by step that our families, which are very real, filled with conflict, filled with angst, filled sometimes with dysfunction, that first of all, we will know that God forgives us and God loves us in spite of all those things that we do wrong. And yet there is also power there to heal what is broken and to empower us so that wherever our reality is, is that much closer to the ideal that God would have for us. This week, just ask the question, what can I do to help? Mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and you will see that your family will begin to change. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's all rise now and make profession of our faith. Today we will use the word. Go ahead and be seated. You can take out your sermon notes, which look like this. You can follow along. Some great questions to contemplate and talk about later on this week with your family. So last week we started uh, the series, Future Family, with this tension. And, and it's real, isn't it? There's tension in families, especially between uh, our reality and what we know to be ideal from the Bible. So what I know is real is that some of you are going through divorce What is real is that some of you are on your second marriage and it's not going any better than your first. That's real. For some of you, you're newlyweds and you've discovered that marriage isn't as easy as you thought it was. That's real. And for those of you that have children, there's a lot of reality going on there. (laughs) Children don't always do what you say. That's real. There are fights. There are arguments. That's real. Or maybe you actually do have the ideal family. Maybe you really do. Uh, Maybe you're happy all the time and you're wondering what's wrong with you because everybody else is miserable. Maybe that's your reality. Or maybe you're, you're wondering when the shoe will drop and you will be as unhappy as everybody else seems to be. So I don't know what your reality is. What I do know is that there is tension, a lot of tension. And the problem is that our culture doesn't like tension. And so the culture just tells you it's normal. Divorce is normal. Fights are normal. Tension is normal. So the culture, the same one that that tells us that every kid should get a trophy no matter what, that every team should get a trophy regardless of whether they win or not, that same culture wants to tell us it's just normal. And yet, deep inside, we know that there is something better. We know that there is an ideal. We want something better, if not for us, at least for our kids and for our grandkids, don't we? And then on top of all of that, Jesus says, no, wait a second. (laughs) You've got to live with the tension. 
There's this ideal we have in our minds, and Jesus says, no, it's even more than what you think. (laughs) And then when we realize that we're never going to get there, then Jesus says, I forgive you, and there is grace. And then he says, and by the way, go and sin no more. (laughs) A lot of tension going on. The ideal gets raised, and yet the grace goes deeper. So today, what we want to do is look at the ideal. So Colossians 3, and we touched on this last week. It's in your notes if you want to just find that. This is the ideal family according to the words of Paul, inspired by God. It's really very simple. He says, husbands, husbands, raise your hands. We're talking to you now. Husbands, love your wives and be considerate. Okay, that's the first part. Now, wives, raise your hand. This is you. Submit to your husbands. And then... Children, all the kids, children, and by the way, we're probably all children, aren't we? Yeah, yep. Obey your parents. And then fathers, back to us again, don't exasperate your children. So that's it, pretty simple. That is the ideal. So husbands, love your wives, be considerate. Wives, submit to your husbands, except you don't know my husband. Obey your parents. Really? Are you kidding? <laughs> My parents haven't had a, uh, an original thought since 2001, so we'll go with that. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. You know my children. They exasperate me, right? So this is not so easy, this ideal. And so, even though, even though we know this is the gold standard, even though we know this is what we are to aspire to, as we look at our own families We say, what? Fail. Husbands, wives, fail. Children, fail. Fathers, fail. We all fail, fail, fail. So should we do what the culture says? Just give up? This is normal. It's okay. Don't expect anything more. No, Jesus says. There is a tension, and we need to learn to live with it. Even in our gospel for today, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and what do they ask? Is it lawful to get a divorce? And Jesus says, well, Moses let you do that because he knew that your hearts were hard. But God says, in the beginning, a man to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the ideal. That is what God originally wants and still does today. So how do we live with that tension? Well, just for fun, we're going to go back to our list. So go back to your list, okay? The ones in your notes, husbands, wives, children, fathers, pick out one. We only have time to talk about one today. We'll get to the others later on in the series. But one today, just for fun, which do you think is the most difficult? Which is the one that, if you were writing the Bible, would not be in there? Which is the one that is politically incorrect? Women, which one would you choose? All right, we'll go with that. Wives, submit to your husbands. I used to really like that verse. Used to. I remember the very first time that I heard it, and I heard it in church, but it wasn't in a Lutheran church. It was at a wedding. So I went to a wedding at this other church in this little town of Blackburn, Missouri, and I heard the words from the pastor. 
It's in the vows, or at least it used to be, wives submit to your husbands. And I thought, wow, this is going to be great, right? I'm looking forward to this. Until he talked about the husbands love your wives part, which seemed a whole lot harder. Well, so often we misunderstand the word. So we have to first go back to the principle. You see, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is talking about families in Ephesians chapter 5 before he goes into the specifics, before he applies it. So he says, wives, this is what you're supposed to do in the family. This is what love looks like. And husbands, this is what you're supposed to do. And children, this is what you're supposed to do. He says, submit to one another as the principle. Why? Why do we do that? Is it out of reverence for one another? No, that's not the answer. It is out of reverence for whom? Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Out of gratitude for what Jesus has done. Out of love for him. Because he first loved you. This is how you show your love to him, by mutually submitting to one another. It has nothing to do with authority. It has nothing to do with who is the head of the family or the household. All of you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the way that we do that is we ask a simple question. We leverage our power for your benefit, with a simple question, and that is this. What can I do to help? What can I do to help? So I want you to, to say this to the person next to you, all right? We're going to practice, because I want you to do this every day this week. I know it's a big challenge, once a day, every day this week. So turn to the person next to you, ask them, what can I do to help? Go ahead and do that. What can I do to help? Okay, we're all going to do that how many times this week? Once a day, every day. Ask the question, what can I do to help? So, children, I'm going I'm to address you first. So, if you are a child, and, and by this I mean you're not yet an adult, because we're all children of somebody, children, raise your hands so I can find you. Children, raise your hands. Okay, especially if you are in high school or middle school, this is important. This will change the dynamic of your household. Yes. So tomorrow, it's Monday, and you're going to remember because I told you to do this, but you're going to do it the next week too, and then the week after that. Monday, you come home from school after school or after practice or whatever you've got going on, you come in, you go into the kitchen, and you just say, Mom, Dad, what can I do to help? All right, now, this is what makes it even better. Do it when they have friends around, okay? Do it when they have friends around. So maybe it's a dinner party. It's in the evening. Maybe, maybe it's your small group, and they're all there together. Or even better yet, they haven't heard this message yet. Then it'll be really be good. All right? They're all there, and you come downstairs, and you know everything's ready, and everything's good, but you say, hey, Mom and Dad, is there anything I can do to help? And then you just go back upstairs. You don't have to do anything, because it's already all done. You just get credit. All right? And then everybody else that is there, they're going, teach us. 
teach us how to parent. How did you do that? How do you get them to say that? Right? Because we all have the same issue. And that we always think of ourselves first, don't we? Now, we don't do this in the Lutheran church. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Isn't that our problem? We're always thinking of ourselves first. But it will change your family completely if you begin to ask that question, what can I do to help? And not just children, but parents as well. Ask your kids, what can I do to help? What can I do to leverage my resources, my time, my energy, my money to help you get ahead, to get further in life than you already are? And spouses, of course, what can I do to help? Wives are really good at that, at least in my household. My wife asks all the time, what can I do to help? Not just of me, but also of our kids, even though they're adults. She always wants to help, and we as men, as husbands, aren't always really good at answering, are we? What's the usual man answer when your wife asks, what can I do to help? Nothing, right? Nothing, I got it. Okay, no worries, I got it. Let her help you. And vice versa. Probably men are the worst at this, asking the question, aren't we guys? We're pretty bad at this. Because we think that she might actually answer. (laughs) What can I do to help? Because our wives are always helping. But it opens the door. It shows her that this is not a one-sided deal that we're in it for her as much as she's in it for us. What can I do to help? You see, God looked down at this broken world of ours, how we've messed up so many things in our lives. And Jesus, I could imagine the conversation, goes something like this. Father, what can I do to help? And the father probably says something like, uh, don't ask, you don't want to know. And Jesus says, yes, I do. And the father says, well, it's going to cost you your life. And Jesus says, I'll do that. And the father says, no, I don't think you understand. It means that you're going to go down there and be number two, even though you are God and deserve to be number one. And you're going to have to stand in line behind every single person that has ever lived. That's the only way that you're going to help them. And Jesus said, I'll do that. And he went to the cross. And there he gave up his godhood. He gave up his life. He suffered pain. And finally, death. And he bore the burden of all of our sin so that you and I could have relationships first with God and then with our family. What can I do to help? Such a simple question. 
And yet we're so often afraid, aren't we? It's not like we are going to give up our very life. I mean, most of the time, don't you think, 99% of the time when you ask the question, what can I do to help? You're not going to die. Oh, you'll have to give a little bit of yourself, some time, some energy, maybe a little money. But we do it as we go back to Ephesians 5.21, out of reverence for Christ. Certainly out of love for our family, but even more so out of love for Jesus, out of gratitude for the sacrifice that he has made for us. Where we are going to be number two for a while. Where we are going to leverage ourselves for the good of the other and for the good of our family. We're not always going to do it perfectly. We will all mess up. Some of you will forget to ask the question this week. Some of you, even when you ask the question and get the answer, you're going to refuse to do it. Some of you will do it grudgingly. Some of you will get a little frustrated with the whole thing. And yet God's grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. And that's finally what wins the day, is perfect love. And you say, wait a minute, I don't have perfect love, and you're right. The perfect love of Jesus Christ that wins the day, that is the key to strong and happy family. I'll close with this. You remember in the movie, The Wizard of Oz, one thing that Dorothy wants throughout the whole movie she has her friends that she goes on the journey, the journey with, and she has a, a variety of people along the way to help her do one thing. And what is that one thing that she wants to do more than anything else? She wants to get home. And what's the answer at the end of the movie? It's the ruby red slippers. She was wearing them all the time. She had the power throughout the entire movie to get her wish, to get her desire. And so do we. We not only have the forgiveness and the grace of God when we mess up, which we will do, we have his forgiveness. He restores us by giving us the power to ask that one little question. What can I do to help. The truth is, you're going to be taken advantage of from time to time. You're not always going to be first in line. You're not always going to get your needs met. You're not going to get everything you want when you want it. But by asking that question, you have the key to a blessed and happy family. It's my prayer for all of you that throughout this series, that whatever your reality is, you will experience God's forgiveness and God's power to get closer to the ideal. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's all rise and make profession of our faith today.